three or four years ago, I, I developed what I call the midlife X. I really thought that I had, I had re- achieved all that I could achieve. And it was such a scary place to be. I, I remember telling my husband, I don't think I have anything left. I think I've, I've achieved everything I was supposed to achieve. And he was like, are you kidding? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm washed up. Like, right. (laughs) I've got nothing more. And I really was so down about it. And it wasn't until 2020 when I really could let go of this person that I had been for so long and really kind of step into who I've, this new person. That's Sean Fink talking about the beginning of her journey when she started to ask herself some pretty big questions like what's next and who do I want to be going forward? This period of questioning led Sean to realize that she wasn't showing up as her entire self, that there were parts of herself that had remained hidden and had not been allowed an equal voice, which I think is a situation that many of us midlifers, especially women, can relate to. So often, the person who shows up at work isn't exactly the same person who shows up in our communities or the same person we are at home or with our families. We have been taught to compartmentalize and round out our edges, and as a result, some of us get to midlife feeling a sense of personal fragmentation or a misalignment between who we are and the person we allow others to see. In this episode, Sean and I talk about learning to discover who we are now in this phase of our lives, the practice of self-advocacy, the idea of small, brave yeses, and really the journey to our wholeness. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show about life in the middle. My name's Lou Blazer. I'm a former management consultant and IT leader turned writer and podcaster, and of course, your host. And there's one thing you should know about me right away. I am not an expert on midlife. I'm on this journey just like you. So together with my guests, we're going to explore what it actually takes to navigate midlife, thrive in it, and turn it into the best phase of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Midlife Cues a digital publication for the over 40 about getting stronger, wiser, and bolder in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe for free at midlifecues.com. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks. And I'm really psyched to chat with you today about this topic that Sean Fink refers to as the journey to our wholeness. Now, many of us reach midlife, look back in our lives and realize we've been playing it small or playing a version of ourselves that we have outgrown or maybe was never really our truth to begin with. So we get to midlife with this feeling of discontent, like we've followed all the rules, we did all the shoulds and the musts. And yet we're not entirely feeling all the joy that we're supposed to be feeling after all that work, right? Of course, there are a variety of reasons that could be contributing to this midlife malaise. And one of those reasons could very well be that we've built a life and a persona that's not entirely, let's just say, all-encompassing 
of the person we are or that it no longer aligns with the person we are becoming or who we want to be going forward. Now, that last one, I totally relate to because that was exactly how I felt in 2014 when I decided to leave the corporate career and reinvent myself because at that time, my corporate life was a huge, huge part of my life. It was, you know, the, the, almost the entirety of my identity. And, um, leaving that corporate life means finding the person that I am becoming. Now, looking back, it was the start of my own journey to wholeness. I only wish that I had a Sean Fink or her podcast, Brave Yes, to help me out so I could have figured out what in the world was happening to me. Instead, I groped in the dark for a long, long time. So this topic as you can tell, is near and dear to my heart. If this is resonating with you, I hope that you'll find this conversation helpful. I'd love to hear from you as you listen to this episode. You can find me on Instagram at Second Breaks. Okay, let me introduce Sean properly here. Sean Fink is the founder and the host of The Brave Yes Show and a coach for Gen X women raising my hand here, who wants to define or redefine ourselves or their careers for the next half of our lives. In this episode, we explore what leads to this fragmentation, this self-fragmentation that I talked about, how we can recognize it, and how we can begin the journey to our whole self. We also talk about a very important thing, self-advocacy, and how this is such a critical skill to learn and hone. We begin with Sean talking about how this problem that so many women have, how she came to see it in her own life. Last year in 2020, when everybody's, you know, focusing on the pandemic, I was busy trying to figure out who I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> so, you know, my when I started my first business, which was called the Abundant Mama Project, my daughters were five. And now they're 15. And um, so last year, when the George Floyd murder happened, when the race relations became a huge topic, it really became a mission of mine to bring my whole self into my work and, and to, into my whole life. Because before that, really, if I can be really honest, I really felt people only saw me as a mom. And the, at all the time, though, I was much more, but my persona, everybody was just like, Oh, that's the abundant mama, right? That's the abundant mama, not realizing that I had a huge social justice background, I was big into politics in my local community. And there was other parts to me too, like I was a poet. And I, you know, just uh, things that I never really got to bring to the forefront. And it was through that feeling of being fragmented that I, I just, I felt so unsettled. Um, of course, you know, now it's a lot easier to bring all of you forward because um, that's just what ha the last year has kind of created an atmosphere of that. But I really felt like I needed to just be all of me. And that, 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 who is Sean, right? She's not just a mom. She has all of these other things. 
And I think that in my clients, that's the same, the same thing has happened. They reach a point where they get to the, they're like, well, who, who am I in when I'm at work? Am I this sort of put the mask on? Or can I bring all of me to work? And will you accept me as I am? And you know, I work with a lot of highly sensitive women, women who, who might have been called too much um, in their lives and, or, you know, like, and they feel like they're not enough because they're too much. And so, you know, allowing that all of us to show up with the people that we, and I've even had clients who felt like they couldn't be themselves in their own homes because of their partners. And they've had to really downplay the things that they love and, and their religious beliefs. And, you know, what you believe in your spiritual path can make you feel disconnected. Where, you know, you might be feeling one way, but then on the outside, completely living a different life. Oh, my goodness. So before I started a business, I was in corporate America. In fact, my whole career, most of my professional life has been in corporate America. And as you were talking about this idea of not bringing your whole self into work, that so resonated with me. I would even go as far as saying that a lot of corporate women or at least in my generation, in our generation, I probably feel, I don't know about the younger generation, right? So maybe things have changed now, but certainly uh, the folks in our generation, there's this idea of compartmentalizing our lives so that the person who we are at work isn't necessarily the entirety of who we are. And we, we put that in a box and that's the professional selves that we, we bring to work. And in fact, there there might even be some ideas out there that says um, that's how you're supposed to be professionally. You're not supposed to bring the other sides of yourselves at work. You're supposed to be very professional and put everything else in like a you know box. Yeah. And I, I do think that there's that culture. It's really, I mean, it's a power system, right? If you want to get ahead, you need to put all of your you know, it's like staging a house, right? We want your house to look lived in. We don't actually want you to look human. We just want you to kind of like be this robot that shows up and do the things. This is all about leadership. When we can be vulnerable, when we can show us our real selves, our flaws included, mm-hmm. that actually can help us elevate as leaders. And, you know, Brene Brown is a classic example of somebody who expresses how she's failed that. I mean, how many times if you listen to her podcast where she's just listing all the things that she did wrong in the week, right? Like she brings all of her and we don't respect her less. But for some reason that that message has not gotten to the rest of corporate America yet. We can hope that it will. But but yeah, I think it's really hard because we are so busy trying to fit in and belong. And then also when you were talking about how, okay, so there's the there's the compartmentalizing and not showing us in our entire selves at work, making our, ourselves kind of bland to fit in whatever the culture is of the whatever corporate work that we're part of. And then when you're talking about also not bringing our whole selves at home, which is also true because I know that especially for, okay, I'm going to generalize this, but especially for women, I know of... Uh, women in leadership positions that when they come home, they tend to not bring their leadership side because they feel like they they consider their husband and how the husband's going to, you know, that sort of 
traditional role of a woman to the of the wife to the husband you know what i'm talking about Uh they're also they're almost like they're they're leaving parts of themselves outside before they you know before they close the door to their homes do you know what i mean Yes, I do know what you mean. And in fact, I, I just have a client recently uh, that I've been working with who we were trying to develop her leadership skills in her, what she was hoping would be a new career. And I, I, at the end, uh, for her first round of sessions, I was like, all right, so you know, what, what has been the best change for you? And she's like, I'm a better leader at home. <laughs> like she literally found that she was able to embrace that part of her. And once she did, she was on fire. And and it was and it was that ripple effect was showing up in all parts of her lives, not just. And again, it's about that this place of our whole selves. I think women are natural leaders. I mean, we run families. We make sure the 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 ship is running. You know, it's sailing smooth and clear. I mean, we're really very good at it. And I work primarily with women, so I know them very well. Yeah. Um, you know, we use the word culture before, and I, I guess a lot of it is that, right? A lot of it is the, is a traditional expectation of society, uh, what they expect of women, what they expect of women entering the workforce, what they expect of, uh, working mothers. It's all these expectations that we have to live with. And so even if we're not entirely that true, persona of that model we try to live with that and so there was a phrase that used to be said that I uh to me it was like rounding out the edges mm, like that like you know and round out your edges I used to remember uh hearing that when I was just entering the workforce as a way to you know achieve professional success yeah (laughs) don't don't be too sharp and you know, um, and it's funny that you mentioned the the, the culture because um, I don't know if you saw the New York Times article about languishing, how we're all languishing. And I wrote um, a piece this week, actually, about how I feel like women have been languishing for many, many years. And and that's and that culture that you're talking about is exactly why so mm-hmm. many expectations and yet having to play so many different parts in order to rise in the ranks mm-hmm. and then at home. So many more obligations, so many more responsibilities, so so little time. And so really, you know, this idea of trying to blend in, fit in, isn't serving women very well. They're feeling very trapped. They're feeling very stuck. Like there's no place for them to go. The New York Times article that Sean referred to was written by organizational psychologist Adam Grant. It went viral. And for a few days there, it felt like everybody and their uncles were talking about it. Here's a bit of what Adam wrote about languishing. He said, Languishing is the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation and disrupts your ability to focus. Grant says, Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days. And it just might be the dominant emotion of 2021. And like I said, people were referring and sharing this article around, so it must have really resonated with so many of us. Following that article, Sean wrote a piece that extended that conversation around languishing and spoke specifically to women. Sean said languishing is a state that 
women have been feeling for years, not just during these pandemic times, but before that and for a long time. I'll put a link to both articles in the show notes. Now, if languishing is the place that we find ourselves, how do we rise up? How do we move on from there? Sean says our journey toward wholeness begins with awakening. I, I believe in the, the heroine's journey a lot and the awakening that, oh, I've been kind of dialing it in or just playing the roles all these years. And literally for many women, it is years, it's 10 years, it's 20 years. And they're waking up going, wait, this is my life. Why am I not living more deeply, more richly? And so a lot of the women that come to me is like, wait, who do I, who do I really want to be now that I'm waking up? What is my new purpose going to be? Who am I becoming? And the big thing for them is I want to make a difference because they feel like they've just been kind of doing the jobs or playing the roles, but not actually having an impact. And I think that if anything we've seen in the last year is that we don't want to just go to a job and work and, and, and go home and sleep. We, we really want to make a difference. In your case, Sean, do you feel that it coincided with the kids being a grown up now and like they need, they need less of mom? Yeah, well, I definitely like three or four years ago, I, I developed what I call the midlife X. Like <laughs> I, I, it hit me hard that mm. I was in this. I, I couldn't escape motherhood, right? It was like, I had to talk about it all day in my work. And then I would d- deal with it all day at home. And I just felt like that was, I was living 24 seven, this idea of motherhood. And I knew that there was something probably more for me, but I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out what it was. I got tired of not only trying to tell my kids stories, but I also got to a point where I just didn't even want to share their stories because it's their stories. And it became harder to talk about them um, and, and about my own stories without being able to talk about them. But I think for me, too, like approaching 50, which is where I'm, I'm, I have a few years before I'm 50, I realized that I, I just want to do bigger things, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I but I want to say before that, though, back when I had the midlife X, I really thought that I had I had re- achieved all that I could achieve. And it was such a scary place to be. I, I remember telling my husband, I don't think I have anything left. Like, I think I've, I've achieved everything I was supposed to achieve. And he was like, he's like, are you kidding? Like, that, that is like, that can't be true. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm washed up. Like, right. <laughs> like, I've got nothing more. And I really was so down about it. And it wasn't until 2020 when I really could let go of this person that I had been for so long and really kind of step into who I, who this new person. Not that I'm different. I'm the exact same. Like if you meet me anywhere, I'm always the exact same. But it was this idea of possibilities that I just couldn't see when I was in that dark, kind of dark place that just yes. felt, I felt down and I felt like, well, I'm almost 50, you know, like there's not much left for me. Uh, so, and I think a lot of women start to think that until they see messages like mine where they or and like yours that say hey you know what this can be a whole new chapter and in fact wouldn't that be fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like well I, I I was thinking as you're telling your story Sean that how how yours is actually sort of like uh 
double whammy to some degree because like so there are women who are very much identified as mothers because that's their mothers right and so and then they get to a point where the kids are off to college or at that age where they need less of mom and so they're beginning to like like okay who am i if i'm not the mom who's mothering all day long right because my kids are already grown up but in your so you have that part but also in your case there's also the work part that is associated with motherhood yes right because the other side of it is that also some some of us or many of us get to a point where okay i've been doing this work for a long time i feel like i need to do something different and it, it so happens that in your case it's it's this it's like in the same family it's all about motherhood yes <laughs> Yes, it really, really was. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still a mom. It is not to say that you you don't like being a mom anymore. It's just that you're bringing the other parts of yourself right. to the table. Did I am I yes. saying that correctly? Yeah, that's exactly right. That there was much more to me than I was than I felt like I was even able to bring into the conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that for me the the wholeness journey was about bringing all the parts of me together into one, which is why I rebranded into just my name, Sean Fink. Like that's whatever you get, you get what you get. <laughs> so is that is that the end goal of a wholeness journey to bring parts of yourself to your life? Is that is that what what is the think, end goal? I think for me, you know, for what I how I see it is being you finally, like being all of you finally. Okay. And allowing all of the parts of you to show up. And to feel like you're in alignment with that, you know, right. there's, there's one thing to know what your parts are, and it's another to be able to live them out loud. Yes. And mm-hmm. that, that I think is the work that I'm trying to do where, you know, if you have strong values, but you're living a different life, let's try to get that into alignment. You must be willing to, first of all, allow yourself permission to figure out who you really are, because I think a lot of women especially get to a point in their lives at this stage and they think, gosh, I haven't done one thing for myself. I've been so busy tending to everyone else or, you know, my my job, my employer, my family. And mm-hmm. so first of all, permission to allow yourself to explore who you really are now. Mm-hmm. Is that through journaling? Is that through? Yeah, journaling, uh, conversations, like listening to yourself, understanding like what you're drawn to, really paying attention to what lights you up. Now is the time, like start to really explore and be curious. Like, why am I so drawn to this? Have you ever worked with someone or talked with someone who said, I don't know, I don't know who I am, Sean. I don't know who I am outside of, you know, my work, or I don't know who I am outside of being yes. a wife. Or have you ever, yes. you know, have you ever had those kinds of conversations? I'm having those conversations every week. Yes, <laughs> I do. And I, I, I love those. I love those so much because it, I, a lot, part of my coaching process is called the unearthing you process. That's what I do is I help women what I say is dig out from the rubble of shoulds and expectations, because that's literally piled on top of us as years and years and years of going through the motions of what everybody, of what you think you're supposed to do, right? We spend like the first part of our lives doing that. Oh, I think I need to go to college. And I think I need to get married. And I think I need to have kids. And, you know, we do all that. And so I always tell my clients, you know, 
if they come to me and they're like 45 years old, like you've spent 45 years collecting all of these patterns. Now we're going to unlearn some of those, right? We're going to unlearn those patterns of being the good girl and hiding and feeling like you can't have a voice. We're going to unlearn those things and we're going to figure out who you are and help you find your voice and help you figure out what makes you amazing and unique and authentic and kind of dig you out from that rubble is, is kind of how I see it. And that, that is the first part of my coaching process. Does it take a long time generally, Sean, to get there? To It can, it can be, it can be really quick for those who find that kind of work exciting and and they just like live for it. Like me, like, you know, I could just like do that all. I, I do do it all day, but I really could do it all day. Um, for others where it's not so doesn't come so naturally, they're not, they're not very retrospective or contemplation, right? That it can take a lot longer, but they get there once they start to really allow themselves to relax. I, you know, I have a client that I'm always saying, okay, you need to relax. Remember this work. It doesn't work when we're guarded. Uh, if you have a lot of trauma, it can be, it can take even longer because you're so guarded from, you know, just the, the triggering experiences and, um, and, and trying to keep yourself safe. So allowing yourself to relax and really um, lighten and mm-hmm. soften into the, cause that's when our intuition speaks, right? It's when gotcha. like all the, the inner longings come up. Um, after we go through this work, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to turn our life upside down. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to leave my husband or I'm going to change careers, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that. No, no, it doesn't mean that you have to burn your whole life down. Um, <laughs> it can, right? It can, but it does not. No. Uh, in fact, I was just on a, a call today with um, a woman who is on, um, she's like on government assistance. I like to give my work away um, as much as I can. And so we're on this conversation. She has a lot of trauma, a lot of stress. Um, and we talked about, and my work, my podcast is The Brave Yes. And we talked about living a life of brave yes. Because for her, just leaving the house and going out and doing things in public is enough of the brave yes that she needs to experience to finally start to get back to feeling whole again. I think the whole brave yes life that I'm trying to talk about is a series of very small brave yeses that add up. And not everybody's going to be like you and me, like, and starting crazy things, you know, like I'm somebody, like I'll start something today. Like I have no problem with starting things, but not everybody's going to do that. And so it's really these small, incremental, beautiful shifts that we can make. You know, it might be like, I'm just going to finally speak up at work. I'm going to, I'm going to hold my boundaries. You know, I'm going to take care of, I'm going to tell my partner that I, that take the kids so that I can have a day. These are the small brave yeses that we might need to make. In fact, it's what we will need to make in order to finally experience that wholeness. You were talking about this idea of being an advocate for ourselves. Can we just sort of unpack that a little bit and say like, what does it really mean? What does it look like when we're being an advocate yeah. of ourselves? And how and what does it look like when we're not? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Well, first of all, speaking of Instagram, I actually shared my daughters, they're 15, their their brave yes story 
because it was the perfect example of self-advocacy. See, Mm. they wanted to switch schools. And I was like, no, no, you can't switch schools, right? Like, this is not what I dreamed for you. But they self-advocated and they won. They're switching schools next year. And I, I shared the story on Instagram because it was such a good example of teenagers taking initiative to advocate for themselves. When you want something, when you know you need it, you have to fight for it. And even if your mom says no, (laughs) sometimes, right? I was just so impressed with that. And so many women that I've worked with have not had this skill. Mm. And it's so hard. They feel like they have to please everyone else instead of advocating for themselves. But self-advocacy is really... I have needs, I have values, I have opinions, and I really would like for you to take them seriously. And until you do that, nobody else is going to take you seriously. So self-advocacy is all about helping you step into your power. And, you know, you asked about the what happens if we don't. Well, what happens if we don't? What's the alternative? We feel resentful because our needs are not getting met the pleasures that we want in life are not happening for us because we're not asking for it. We're not fighting for it. And that's how we feel out of alignment. Uh, And that's how we don't feel whole because, you know, we're doing what everybody else wants. We're going along with what everybody else wants. Yes. So, so many times I hear either at work or at home, but somebody might, might be upset or frustrated about their situation And I would ask, like, did you ask your manager or did you ask your husband or did you ask your mom? And the answer is no. (laughs) Okay, well, then you did ask for what you want. And sometimes the answers is because they should know. (laughs) exactly why do i have to say they should just know relying on mind reading right or sometimes the answer is what's the point of asking i'm not going to get what i want anyway right and so but the bottom line is they never actually asked or they never actually put into words what they were what they need or what they want and so they're just you know frustrated sitting there frustrated Exactly. And I've been a I've been a self advocate for a really long time. And I didn't realize how how hard that skill is for so many people until I got out, you know, I said you start to work with people and you're thinking, Oh, I've I've just just naturally been doing this. But (laughs) I was just on a client call today where, you know, a woman um, that I work with was struggling with her partner. And I said, just have you had this conversation? And you're right. She's, she's reluctant. She doesn't feel like it's worth it. Yeah. And sometimes we have to advocate over and over and over for the same thing until eventually we start to see change. Yes. Yeah. It's, it doesn't mean that you get what you want all the time, but I think that just because we're able to say what we want feels better. Yeah. Well, and it brings you closer together and to be able to find some kind of a compromise instead of just ignoring it or putting your head in the sand. It opens the doors to conversations. And people remember that. Like even a boss, if you're feeling stressed and you're, you're, you feel like you're burning out, you know, that's, that's a sign that you need to share that information with someone and say, hey, something needs to help. Something needs to be done to help me here. 
Well, speaking of that, I was reading that there's several studies, like McKinsey came out with a recent study. Uh, I think Microsoft Survey also came up with something similar. And I think I read something on Financial Times, but that women, there is, there is an expectation that a lot of women are going to either quit entirely their careers or downsize their careers uh, as a result of the pandemic because they feel unable to speak about the stress and what they're going through and they feel like there's no there's no use talking about you know the stress that all these things are you're doing to themselves and so they're just going to quit and they're just going to leave as opposed to having a conversation yeah i think the pandemic really opened women's eyes to how much they were holding in terms of the stress and the, the responsibilities and the lack of spaciousness that they need to feel whole, right? I mean, this is what it comes down to. If you don't have time to do the fun things in your life that bring you joy, or if you don't have time to learn and grow, and you're just too busy doing the nine to five and sleeping, that doesn't that that leaves you not feeling whole. And so unfortunately, I think a lot of companies are going to lose out on some great talent from women who are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. If they have spoken up and not been heard, then what they are definitely feeling like, why bother? You might be talking to someone and they are hesitant to speak up at home or with their bosses. And so it's almost like they've never used that muscle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've, never, they've never felt comfortable speaking up, using their voice, asking for what they want. What, what would you advise them? Where should they start? Yeah, you want to start really small with people that you feel safe with, somebody who you know will listen to you and take your needs seriously. And, you know, very few people that I know of feel like there's somebody that's not going to listen to them. I mean, it's it's come up for sure. But for most part, people really do want to help each other. And so when you have a need and you speak, you know, talk to someone like your partner or another family member, or a good friend at work, asking them, hey, you know, I need help with, and and just saying it, um, starting with those kind of small requests that don't have a lot of vulnerability or risk. (laughs) Like, don't ask for the week at at the beach alone (laughs) quite yet. Yeah, your husband's (laughs) going to go, what, Sean, are you talking about? Are you leaving me? What is happening? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Start kind of small and build up to it. Yeah, that's a good one. What do you think is the main obstacle? Is it is it just ourselves? Like, what, what stops us from, from standing up for ourselves? Is it just ourselves? Is it just our upbringing? Uh, I don't think it's ourselves, although I do think it's a human, human condition. It, it could go back to the fact that we just want to belong and people please... We don't want to cause any conflicts um, or take, you know, disturb the peace that might be happening. Um, sometimes it's just easier to suffer through rather than create the waves that may come from our, you know, needing to change things or maybe even causing a little discomfort if it's a place of needing to, you know, put someone else out with their time or their energy. We may not be willing to. To do that, not wanting to disappoint your yeah. kids who mm-hmm. are expecting something or your yes. spouse or whatever, for, that makes total sense. So that's why it, it makes sense to start 
with the small requests, with the small asks, the ones that aren't going to necessarily <laughs> create a tsunami. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. The mantra of Second Breaks is celebrate midlife. And I was wondering, when you hear that phrase, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think it's finally owning who you are and not apologizing for it. That's that's my favorite part of, of midlife. It's no longer doubting who you are and being able to show up in a room and just without apology, right? That you belong there, that you've, you've earned your place, <laughs> right? You've earned your place to be there. In my 20s, I was building the scaffolding of the woman I was becoming. And today I am taking up space in the woman that I've already become. This practice of self-advocacy is something I feel strongly about, especially now in my midlife. Even if this is something that we haven't practiced much in the past, I believe that now is the time to stand up for ourselves, for our values, our opinions, and our desires. It's not a matter of earning the right or that we deserve it somehow now because of our life experiences or because we're in midlife. I think to advocate for ourselves has always been ours to practice. It's just that some of us haven't been doing that. And so now is the time, right? I ask, if not now, when? You can learn more about Sean and her work at seanfink.com and that's S-H-A-W-N-F-I-N-K. She hosts a weekly podcast called Brave Yes and uh, you can find that wherever you catch your podcasts. And on the show notes for this episode, you're going to find all the links and the highlights of this episode. Just head on over to secondbreaks.com. Now, if you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends i would so appreciate it you can tell them about this specific episode what you picked out of the topic of self-advocacy or journey to our wholeness you can tell them about sean fink or you can tell them about the podcast in general you spreading the word about the show helps tremendously in growing our community of thriving midlifers and don't we want that so i would be so grateful if you would do that And in our next episode, I will be joined by Gail Gensler. Now, Gail is phenomenal. She is a 60-year-old pro-aging fitness enthusiast with a goal to change the narrative about aging through fitness and embracing a healthy lifestyle. She will be sharing her fitness philosophies and tips for how we, too, can embrace fitness in our midlife. I don't want you to miss that episode or any of the future episodes for that matter. And so now's a good time to hit follow or subscribe on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode. Or if you happen to be listening to this on the website, right around the audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple weeks with Gail Gensler. Until then, stay safe. Stay sane and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. <laughs>